Amen, amen. Can you guys give it up for the worship team one more time? Just tell them thank you. I just, I love that song. It's just a powerful reminder. It's a, I just love worship. I love hearing your voices. I know you hear me say that a lot, uh, but I just don't want that to fade away because there is nothing that is better than Jesus, right? And just a reminder of that. And so many times, even in my life, I, I tried to substitute and find different things and different avenues, and every time it falls short, right? Jesus is the one that sustains us, and he gives us strength and power. Uh, we are so glad that you were here this morning. If you're joining us for the first time, or maybe the first time in a while, um, we're in a sec the second part of a series called Unseen Battle. Unseen Battle. And we're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about uh, what the enemy is trying to do inside of our lives. And last week, we opened it up and really just talked about what is the battle? Who, who, who is in a fight? And what is the spiritual realm? What does the spiritual realm look like? And, and how do we interact with that? And where do we go? What does the Bible tell us? And today, we're back in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, kind of our base verses today. If you want to find that, if, if you don't have your Bibles with you today, uh, we're going to put it on the screens for you as well. But Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're at. And then we're going to kind of close out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to kick off in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I, I really have been praying a lot and studying through this series. And it's already been blessing my soul. And I've been telling a couple of people, it's like every week, there's so much content on this topic that I have to like take things out. I'm like, there's so much. We could do a whole series on each individual week. And God is so good. He gives us all of this clarity. And so my prayer today is that I can get it out as clearly and as powerful as God gave it to me in his word. And so if you could be praying for me during this next uh, three and a half hours, then we will. I'm just kidding. All you were like, oh, my goodness, uh, over the next few moments. But uh, I would like to pray for us, ask God just to speak to our hearts one more time. Uh, if you'll open that up and then uh, we'll just dive right in. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each and every soul that is here today. I, I know that they are not here by mistake, God, but your divine purposes are moving and working. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase, God. I pray that the power of your word would penetrate our hearts and souls and just speak to us in a, in a clarifying uh, way, God, to where we can just come to your feet and be filled with your power and your grace. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So as we think about the unseen battle, and what is spiritual warfare? And how do we know that it's happening all around us? And today we're talking about a particular topic of peace. And how do we wrestle through that? And what happens in spiritual warfare with our peace? And why does the enemy try to attack our peace? And when, I, when we think about our lives and our relationship with others and how we interact with other people throughout the day, have you noticed that you could all of a sudden get a thought? And it could be a thought that's not a godly thought. It could be an angry thought. It could be a, oh, I can't believe this happened. And all of a sudden you look back and you're like, I wasn't even thinking about that, right? Like I, I wasn't, there was nothing going on in my life. And all of a sudden it just hit me, right? Or maybe you've experienced before where you thought you were, you know, I'm headed down this path and I'm talking this way and I'm actually having a pretty good day. And then all of a sudden it's like, Boom, I just feel this weight come over me or I feel this just wave hit me or something happens even around me, a, a circumstance or a situation. It could be as light as light of the somebody pulling out in front of us at work or somebody at work says something and it just kind of sets us off. Right. 
And it's like all of a sudden, and then, not only that, have you ever pulled a, a piece of thread out of your shirt? And you pull that thread, and all of a sudden it just keeps coming. You're like, oh boy, I messed up, right? Like you just start pulling. And I feel like sometimes our thoughts and our life can be that way too, right? It starts with just one little thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden, we're like, oh no, where, how did I get here? Like, where, how did this even happen to me? And I believe as we study scripture, we see how spiritual warfare can begin to p- try to pull us away from God's plan for our life. And, and in particular, what we're going to talk about here today is to understand that there is a spiritual battle that is going on. And I, I believe we all kind of function in a couple different ways. Maybe... Um, we're in the scene where, you know what, I haven't really even thought about spiritual warfare. I didn't even know there was a battle going on in the, the cosmos and the, the attacks that are happening around me in the spiritual realm, what the Bible would call the heavenly realms. I, I didn't even know that. Or maybe we're on the opposite end, right? And we're running around and we're, we're just fearful all the time because we think there's a demon behind everything, right? And we're just scared. Or maybe we're in the middle of the road. You're going, you know what, I've, I've heard about it. I'm not really sure how to interact with this. I'm not sure how to handle it, how to wield my sword, which is God's word, through this. But to understand that there is a battle going on, and we see this in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verses 8 and 9, and it says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. There is so I can almost spend the whole message just on those two verses there. But for you and I to understand this, uh, uh, we see Peter, he's trying to give us this understanding that we have to be watchful. In fact, we have to be what he describes sober-minded. Our mind has to be aware that there is this battle going on. There is going to be attacks that are happening all around us. And that we do have an adversary once we give our lives to Jesus, once we give our lives to Christ. There is an adversary, which we talked about last week, the fallen angel who is Lucifer, who is now Satan, and the fallen angels who now believe that they should get all the worship and God should not get all the worship. So now they want to just eliminate any Christians that because they can't take our salvation, right? They can't take our salvation, but what they can try to do is make us miserable. What they can try to do is go, you can't be used. You're too fearful. You're too scared. Even though your eternity is secure, but I don't want you to experience everything that God has for you. And Peter tells us, he says, hey, be sober-minded. Be watchful. That He's seeking and looking for someone, right? It's like he's just waiting and looking for a chink in the armor to dive in there to attack. But God, who is rich in mercy, God who gives us this, he doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't say, well, good luck. I hope you uh, get strong enough. Hope you guys can get together on Sunday and figure this thing out. No, he goes, hey, I'm going to not only create clarity around this, give you the truth around this, but I want to give you the supernatural spiritual armor so that you can withstand this, so that you can not just back up and play defensive mode all the time. He goes, no, I'm going to give you some offensive weapons to move forward to understand how you can win the unseen battle that has happened around us. And that's where we get to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Everybody still doing okay? Very good. Verse 13, it says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And all of this, if you hear last week, we talked about 
Uh, Ephesians, earlier in this chapter, he talks about the spiritual realm and the darkness world and the principalities and everything that has happened around us. So he says, therefore, this is what it's there for, to attack and to live in this unseen battle. Here's the armor that he begins to show us. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. There it is again. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that my words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Wow, what a, what a power-packed piece of scripture right there, right? He begins this, and there's something interesting here. If we look at this, he says, stand Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on. And he uses a different term for the first three armors of God. He's saying having, right? Having the belt of truth. Having the breastplate of righteousness. Having the shoes of the gospel of peace, right? He says having, like these are things that we have all the time, right? Like the, the God wants to equip us in the spirit with those things. And then the next three, he uses a different type of terminology and he says take up. Take up the shield of faith. Take up, right, the, the sword of the Spirit. It begins to take us and he shows us this, this uh, opportunity for you and I not only to just have those things, right, but also that there's a responsibility that you and I have to take up those armors, right? That God in his grace, we talked about this last week a little bit as well, that God in his grace provides the supernatural armor for us, but we have to live in faith and take it up, right? We have to dress for success. We have to put those things on. We have to lean into it by faith because we know that this spiritual battle that is taking on around us. And as we begin to understand this, and he gets to the point where we want to zero in on today. And as you can see, there's so many different avenues that we could take to unpack here. But the day we want to hyper-focus and zoom in on today is that the shoes that are given by the gospel of peace. Who in here, anybody else loves shoes? Like, I, I'm, I hate to admit it, I love a new pair of shoes. Just something about it. you get a new pair of shoes, you put those on, and you just feel like a million bucks, right? You're like walking around, hey, check this out. You like that? That's good, all right? And so different pairs of shoes can kind of change our mood a little bit. And there's shoes literally for everything. You have athletic shoes now, right? You have dress shoes. You have uh, shoes that you get ready for, uh, like a casual shoe. You got tennis shoes, all these different types of shoes. Well, the shoes that, that the Apostle Paul would have been looking at and begin to uh, look at as an illustration is that he would have been looking at the Roman soldiers. And what kind of shoes are they wearing? And the Roman soldiers in those times would have worn what you and I would actually call cleats. They would wear these shoes so that they could keep their footing in battle and they would have little spikes on the bottom so they could dig their feet in and they could stand firm and be ready for the fight, ready for the battle. And so when the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, stand firm, that's what he's talking about. I want you to stand firm. I want your feet to be ready to take opposition and not just kind of keep moving backwards and slip and slide all over the place. But he wants you and I to understand what the shoes that he is talking about. And this is the piece here that I think sometimes we can miss. 
And this is where I hope that we really kind of lean in here to understand this. It's because he says that the gospel, right? He says that the, uh, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I love that. And for you and I to really understand the foundation of peace is we have to understand the gospel. We have to understand what the gospel has given to us because the gospel, if you're taking notes, I highly encourage you if you are, um, you'll just get bonus points from me. I may even give you a hug, you know, all those things, right? And this series, I have more notes than ever. I told Steve in the back, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I got lots of notes just clicking through all those. But the first one, if you're taking notes, is the gospel brings peace. That the gospel brings peace. It's the shoes of the gospel that bring peace. And then here, we have peace with God. And then the Spirit produces peace in us. And that's because the gospel is the thing that gives us peace. And the gospel is that you and I are saved not by our own power, not by our own works, but by the power and the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? And because of that power, because of the gospel, right, the gospel centered in our lives. And that's why the gospel, sometimes we can think the gospel is a one-time event. That's the moment of salvation. That's the moment where we've given our lives to Christ. But the gospel is an everyday thing. The gospel is this every, this continual saving that God is continuing to renew us day by day. Yes, there is salvation, but there's also what the Bible calls sanctification, right? Where we're being renewed every single day that is changing us and molding us into the image of God. And we see this begin to happen, but it doesn't happen outside of the gospel, right? The gospel is not some elementary thing that we have to grasp. It's a daily power, that we get to live in, that the gospel gives us peace. First and foremost, the gospel gives us peace with God. That I wake up today because I've given my life to Jesus, because of what he has done on the cross, because he rose again on the third day and showed us that he has power and authority over sin and death. Because of that, I wake up today knowing that me and God are good. That there is this, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And I can take that weight off of knowing I have peace with God and that now when God looks at Daniel Cassidy, he looks through the lens of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And then, not only that, we read in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that when we give our lives to Jesus, he deposits us a seal of salvation, which is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us which is God's presence dwelling in us every single day. And the Spirit produces peace in us, right? If we look at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, it says that uh, if we walk by the Spirit, the Spirit begins to produce what? Love, peace, patience, and all of these fruits the Spirit begins to produce in us. But it doesn't happen outside of the gospel, right? And so the gospel gives us that because this is why peace has to start here. This, our peace has to flow from the gospel. And I believe this is why uh, he's telling us this in Ephesians, because the spiritual battle is going to happen. One of the schemes of the enemy, one of the schemes of the devil, is to accuse. He, the Bible describes him as the father of lies. He is the accuser, right? He comes and he begins to accuse us. We see even in Scripture, he'll bring people who are godly up before God and accuse them of doing things. It's like bringing it to God's attention. How prideful of it for the enemy to think he can actually tell God something that he doesn't already know, right? In the first place. But then the second place, he's constantly trying to accuse us before God. But not only that, he accuses us even to ourselves. Right? Because we give our lives to Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. And then we mess up. 
Maybe we sin or, or something happens inside of our lives and all of a sudden in our ear we hear, hey, see there? Look at that. God can't work in your life. See that? Who's talking about God's power? God's power didn't even help you in that moment, right? All of a sudden he's accusing. And then even further, he'll start to accuse us about ourselves. Going, look, see, you, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure that God is even walking with you? You can't do anything for God. You didn't even, you couldn't even get to noon today. You can't do this. You can't do life this way. What's wrong with you? You're terrible. You're a terrible person. He begins to accuse us right there. But you and I have to know what the gospel says, right? Because the gospel gives us peace. And when the accusations come, we can look down at our feet, right? Because the, how beautiful the feet are of the messenger. That's what Romans tells us. They're bringing the gospel and the good news. And we see that. And it is talking about sharing the gospel with other people. But sometimes we got to wake up on Tuesday and share the gospel with ourselves, right? Because we've been accused and the enemy's trying to give us these schemes. And we have to look in the mirror and go, no, no, no. I am saved in Christ. What the word says, what the truth says, is not because of what I have done. I have repented. I've given my life to Jesus. He has made me new. He is renewing my mind daily. The word of God has given me strength. The word of God has given me power. And now I am made new, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And the peace begins to flow in us. And that's the foundation of the peace. That's the foundation of the gospel because the gospel will even convict us, right? The Spirit will use the gospel to convict us because we look at the gospel and what Jesus has done and go, I didn't deserve that. So now I need to live my life pursuing after Jesus because he gave me something I didn't deserve. He set me free. He gave me hope. And now I want to pursue him with everything that I have every single day because he has given me peace with God and the spirit gives me peace. And now I want to turn and move towards God. And Jesus reminds us this in John chapter 16, verse 33. This is if you've been in church for a little while, this is a more familiar verse. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. I love that because, I mean, that's a bold statement, right? In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. He's not beating around the bush. He's not trying to sugarcoat this. You give your life to Jesus. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be smooth and easy. In fact, he's saying, hey, now you have a target on your back, right? The enemy doesn't want you to live for Jesus. He doesn't want the Holy Spirit to work through you. And so he wants to try to take you out and accuse you. But he says, I've said these things to you that you may have, that you will have peace in me. In the world, uh, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What a beautiful reminder for you and I to go, you know what, yeah, we will face tribulation, we will face trials, and the world will try to convince us that we need to find our peace from the world. The enemy will try to convince us that we need to find our peace from the world. And then something will happen in the world and in our world around us. And it tries to take our peace from us. And we realize, I can't find my peace from that. I can't find my peace from in the world because it's going to leave me high and dry. And Jesus is saying that you can only find peace in me. And what, even, even further than that, I think the enemy will try to convince us to find ways to supplement peace inside of our lives. And I think now it's kind of even easier uh, at some levels uh, because of the entertainment business, right? I mean, we can turn on Netflix and uh, hit repeat, and I can just go almost mindless numb 
for hours if I want to, right? Just because I, I just can't think about it anymore. I don't know if you've been there before, right? Like just me. But I can't think about it anymore. I just need to watch it. I need to zero out. I need to, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to need this. Let me just kind of scroll here on this uh, app, whatever app I'm using. I can just keep going on reels and reels and reels all day. And all of a sudden I look up, I'm like, two hours? What just happened, right? But it starts to numb us. And it will take us away of the distractions that we see. But maybe we try to use the world and we can go. I remember my younger self, I, I can remember being so uh, frustrated and I would turn to alcohol, right? Turn to drinking and turn to those different things. And, and because if I can just turn it off, right, and just numb everything, then I don't have to feel anything. And I, I try to find my peace. But what happens when you put your head on the pillow at night? It comes back, right? Because it truly can't sustain us. Maybe we've turned to drugs or whatever it may be of going, you know what? I'm just going to, again, numb everything, kind of go into a euphoric state so I don't have to think about it, right? And we try to supplement all of those things or we can even use other people and relationships. And going, when I'm with them or if we're doing certain acts together, then I'm not thinking about the, the pain. I'm not thinking about the other world that is going around me, right? And I try to supplicate all of that, but then I realize that's not truly going to fill me. That's not going to give me the peace that I'm seeking after. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ gives me peace with God and peace in myself because the Spirit begins to work in me. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to get here. My peace is not in what I do, but in what Jesus has already done. My peace is not in what I do, but it's in what Jesus has done. That changes everything a little bit, right? Because it, now I don't look for things that I need to do in order to find peace. In order for me to find peace, I need to look to the person who can provide peace, right? It's different than me trying to look for something to do and then looking to someone who can actually fill me, who can actually sustain me, who can actually give me the peace, right? Because Jesus says in, in John 14, 27, this world, the, peace, the world will not give you the peace that I can give you. Only I can give you that kind of peace. And we see this begin to play out inside of our lives. And for you and I to understand, what does peace actually look like? Because for some people, if you were to ask them, what is peace for you and what is peace for you? We may say, well, if I'm if I'm happy, then that's peace. Right. Or or if I have a, a happy moment, then I'm at peace. But the Bible wants us to go a little deeper here. And it says peace is calm and tranquility of the soul. I love that. Right. It kind of takes us down deeper of going not just peace and tranquility of the mind, but it goes even deeper of the soul. And uh, back in, I, I can't even remember the time period, they uh, got two artists together, and they got these two artists together, and they said, we want you to paint a picture of what you think peace should be. And the winner, we're going to select the winner, and you're going to get this prize and this contest, and we'll put your artwork up. And the only thing they gave them was, we want you to paint us a picture of what peace looks like. So the first, they both start going away. They're tucked away back in the room, and the door's locked, and they're painting away for hours and hours. The first artist comes out, and he unveils the artwork, and you look at the artwork, and he kind of takes you through this meandering brook, and it has this uh, shepherd-like figure who is walking you through uh, this valley, right, of this, this uh, lush green. The sun is shining. They can feel the sun rays, and the people are walking next to the river. And you can just feel the tranquil, right? You can feel the peace. Then the second artist comes, and they unveil that one. And this one has a completely different theme. It's like black, 
right? Thunderstorms are in the background. Lightning is crashing. You can see the trees bending because the wind is blowing so much. This massive storm is hitting in this picture. And then in the bottom right corner, there's this little piece of light and this little rock and this little bird sitting on the rock and this bird is singing right inside of this light, right in the midst of this massive storm, right in the midst of the winds blowing and the lightnings crashing, right? Well, they looked at both of these and they said, you know what? Peace is more like the storm is hitting, right? The lightning is going on around us, but yet the circumstances don't determine our peace. It's the tranquil of the soul. That peace comes from the spirit that is working in us and it doesn't have to be happening around us. It can, right? But God wants us to understand that peace is so much deeper than what is happening around us. But peace is in us and through us. We see this in Colossians uh, 3.14. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. I love how he just sneaks that in there a little bit. Hey, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and don't forget, be thankful. And then he says this, but if you look at the word rule, it's, it's kind of like the same term as umpire, right? You may have a negative connotation when it comes to like umpire and the referee because your little kid, your, your son was shooting a shot and they got it called on a penalty. And you're like, what's wrong with you? You're the worst referee in the world. But the umpire keeps the game moving, right? He makes sure that everybody's playing fair. Okay, this team is doing right. This team is doing right. If they're doing their job correctly, right, uh, then we see that the game continues to move forward in the right direction. They're the ones who can make the call of going, okay, this is good. This is not good. You should do that. You should not do that. And God tells us here in Colossians chapter 3, it says, and let the peace of Christ, that peace is that umpire. Peace is the one that that rules in our hearts, right? And so if it doesn't bring the peace of God, then we need to have that moment of going, the peace of God needs to rule here. And as I'm making decisions for my life, I'm making decisions towards the peace of God, right? This is going to help me move closer to the peace of God. This is not, right? So you need the umpire to step in and go, oh, that's not going to be the peace of God right there. That's not going to give you what you want. And it helps us make the decision that God gives us that we see. And this is something that um, I actually heard from another pastor. And it, it, honestly, it kind of like it spoke to my heart and it kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit, stepped on my toes a little bit. You know how some of those messages are like, and you're like, oh, that hurts. But thank you. Right. Like all of these things. And he said this. He said, if the peace of God is not something that is normal in your life, then you need to dig deeper spiritually. I thought, wow, what a statement, right? That the peace of God, is not, we're not moving from one worry to the next worry to the next worry to the next worry, right? We're not bouncing from those things of one to the next, but God is saying, that's not how I called you to live. I want you to normally, like, worry is going to come. Anxiety is going to come, right? It's going to happen in moments. And the spiritual attack could even happen in moments. But God is saying, I want the, the normal flow, the normal ebb for your life is to experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace working in us in and throughout our lives. And so as I, I kind of turn the plane here a little bit, I want us to hit, and we're going to uh, close and end on this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, because all of this can be kind of lofty, right, to think about. 
But how do I truly live into that, right? Like, how do I experience the peace of God? Yes, I, I've given my life to Jesus. Yes, the gospel is inside of my heart and inside of my life. But how do I truly experience the peace of God? And 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 23 and 24 are so good. Everybody still with me? Good. Leaning in. Let's buckle in. It's right here. And it gives us clarity of what this looks like in verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who it calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I love that reminder. He says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That's that work of becoming more like Christ each and every day, each and every week that we see that here. But he gives us something that we get to see in the spiritual realm right here that maybe we don't see unless we're reading scripture. He says that may your whole spirit and soul and body, right? He gives us this picture that, that as you uh, interpret this and begin to look at it, a lot of times they use soul and spirit uh, together, that there is a soul of a man that God gives us. There's a soul of a woman that God gives us, right? And that is where our emotions come from, our personality and all the things that we can't really pinpoint, but they are truly in us, right? And then we have the physical body. But have you noticed when we don't have peace and stress is through the roof, that sometimes we look to the body first of going, what do I need to fix here? What do I need to do there? What do, I, do I need to go on this walk or do this thing right here? We go to the physical first, which all of those things are good. And all of those things, a lot of those things can help. Right. And even in some of the things that the enemy tries to get us to focus on are the physical. But here we see in First Thessalonians five, he says your whole body. But he starts with the spirit, the soul. And into the body. Last week we talked about that the spiritual flows into the physical. We see it starts in the heavenly realms and moves into the physical. But for you and I, that the, the spirit, the soul, and the body. Because you and I, we have a physical body. I don't have to uh, try to convince you of that. Right? Right here. Right? We're good. We're convinced you. Body. Right? And then soul... I don't think I have to convince you either because we all have different personalities. We do personality tests. I mean, there's probably a new one every single day that we can take to try to figure this thing out. There's emotions, there's heart, there's mind, and all of these different aspects that we have to roll with. But when you and I give our lives to Jesus, there's another aspect to us. There's the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. That's what's holy. That's what's pure. That's what's untainted from the world and our flesh and our sin. That is what is pure, that is living in me and living in you. It's his presence. That's why it's so vital for us when we read Galatians chapter 5 to live by the Spirit. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this right here. That the soul must agree with the Spirit. That the soul must agree with the spirit. A lot of times we have our soul and our body that kind of go off and we want to do our own thing and try to get peace on our own way. But peace can only truly come when our soul and our body agrees with the spirit of God that is dwelling in us. And then when we walk by the spirit, that's what we're doing. We're agreeing with the spirit and going, OK, my soul and my body are going to do it the spirit's way. And, and, and then when we do that, we yield to the spirit, as the Bible tells us, and as we yield to the spirit then the Spirit begins to produce the peace inside of our lives. It begins to work in us. And, and you and I, this is what I want us to get here. That the, remember in Galatians 5, it says that the flesh is weak. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's what he's saying here, that the Spirit in us is willing. That's where the power is. 
And, and have you ever listened to a message before and you're taking notes and you're like, great, I got to do all of these things? Like, wow, like you just added so much to my list, all of these things. This, this, is the, this is the power that God gives us with the peace of the gospel, that we don't need to do something new. We need to draw out what God has already put in us. You don't have to add anything to your schedule, calendar, anything, right? We need to draw out because God has already deposited everything we need to live a godly life. His presence dwelling in us. It's the spirit that is drawing in. And since we moved here to the low country, uh, I love the ocean. I love the river. Uh, but if you notice, there's this little thing that happens in September a lot of times called a hurricane, right? That kind of sneaks up on here. And I remember the first year we moved here. This is not even my notes, but this is free. First year we moved here, two weeks in a row we had to leave, right? And we planted a church. 2018, all of a sudden, uh, now two weeks in a row, I'm like, what is happening here? We got to dodge hurricanes now and all this. But when a hurricane hits the ocean, uh, if you were to look at submarines and even fish, they say that the hurricane or the weather only affects the ocean for 25 feet. So if you're in a submarine or if you're in a fish, then you just need to dive deeper than 25 feet. If you go below 25 feet, then the, the hurricane and the weather is not going to affect you the same way if you're trying to swim onto the upper level. And First Thessalonians is trying to remind us when the storms come and the waves come, you and I don't need to try to fight it in our own strength. We need to go deeper, right? We need to go further into the Spirit. We need to rely more onto the Spirit. As the storm wages, I'm praying more. As the storm rages, I'm reading Scripture more. As the every thing that's happening around me i'm asking my friends who are at church you need to pray for me you need to do this this is what's happening in my life we're digging deeper right into the spirit that's because that now we're relying on his power and not our power that's where the power is in the spirit in us because now we're leaning into his power and his grace and his truth and we're relying on it and we're believing in it that god can do it and we begin to live by faith so when trials and troubles hit you and I have to run to the Spirit. We have to run to the Spirit. And I'm not saying that some of the things we do in the physical are all bad. I'm just saying, first and foremost, we need to run to the Spirit. And then He will give us wisdom to how to navigate further in the future. But run to the Spirit. Run to the Spirit. We're clinging, not to the physical, but to the spiritual. Because the attacks are going to come. Troubles are going to come. Trials are going to come. But you and I know that the Spirit at work in us is what produces peace, is what produces love, is what produces grace. And that's what God wants for you and I, is to experience the fullness of his peace, the fullness of his grace. And so I'm going to pray for us here today, and I'm going, to pray, I'm going to pray two different prayers. One for us as a church, to act, to live inside of his peace. And this is why it is so important when he says that the gospel of peace, right? Because in my honest opinion, if I'm living in this utmost peace that the world can't provide, how much easier for me is it to share the gospel, right? Because I'm experiencing something the world can't experience. I'm experiencing the peace of God, the spirit of God dwelling in me. And they're looking at our lives and the way that we talk and the way that we interact with them. They're going, wow, you have this peace. Like, there's something about you that's different. When I talk to all of my other neighbors, they're talking about this and this and this and this. They're repeating all of the things, right? But when I talk about you, it's like you have this peace.
peace about you. And we're able to share it. It's not because of me, but it's because of what Jesus is doing in me, right? So for us to fully lean into the spirit of what God wants to do. So I want to pray for this. But then there may be some people who are listening online or in the room to where you have never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never said, you know, I want to give my life to Jesus. And because of that, that's the starting place. The gospel is the foundation and the starting place. When I give my life to Jesus, now I receive the Holy Spirit, God dwelling in me. And so I need the Spirit in order to have this supernatural peace. Outside of the Spirit, I'm never going to experience this supernatural peace that I'm talking about. So we need to have a relationship with God. And so the very first place to start is our relationship with God, right? But then even as a Christian, it's easy to get wrapped up, right? It's easy to get tangled up. It's easy to have that thread pulled. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I got half a shirt down. What's going on? You're like, Daniel's preaching about half a shirt. I don't know. But for you and I to take it back, to go, you know what? No longer am I going to let the enemy come at me and attack me and push me back. I'm going to do exactly what the Spirit says through the Word of God, right? I'm going to stand firm and resist the enemy resist the attacks and not only that i'm going to i'm going to have the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart i'm going to take up the shield of faith and i'm going to move forward because i have a shield of faith to protect me i'm going to keep taking steps forward not only that i got a sword Woo, buddy right i got a sword the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and i'm going to use the word of god and now i'm on the offensive now he's retreating not me right like now i'm taking forward and going hey it's not my strength it's the the strength and the power of God and all the power. We say this all the time on Sundays. All the power and authority is right here. It's in God's word. It's in the spirit. And so when I use God's word, I'm using not my strength, but his power and his grace and truth. And so let me pray for us. I'm going to first pray. If you've never given your life to Christ, I just want to pray with you and walk you through this. The prayer doesn't save you. Jesus Christ is the one that saves you. And when you place your faith in him, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And it's this moment of saying, you know what, God? I need you. I'm turning from my sin. I'm, I've missed the mark. I've, I've messed up, God, and I can't do it on my own. And I see that now. I need you, Jesus. I, I believe that you're God. I believe that you're my Savior. And I'm going to surrender that to you today. So let's pray together if that's you. Dear Heavenly Father, you can say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I've missed the mark. I know that I have sin in my life, God. And I ask that you would save me, God. I believe that you can. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. I ask that you would save me, God. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer today, I'd love for you to fill out one of those Connect cards. Grab me right after service. I'd love to pray for you. Stop by our Connect Center. We want to connect you with that as well. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning because even as a Christian, our days can be weary. God, I, I know that there are people who walked into this place that are, they're just carrying such a heavy load. God, and I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Spirit would stir their soul, God, that you would give them enough strength, only the strength to lift it off of their shoulders and place it at your feet, Jesus. And I pray that the Spirit would begin to do a mighty work in them. That today would be a new day. That we in this room can hear, can hear the sound of my voice. 
that we will no longer retreat. We will move forward, not for victory, but from victory, God. You have already won, Jesus. I pray that you remind us of that every single day, every single hour. We don't fight for victory, but from victory. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves and redeems and gives us strength, God. I pray that you bind the enemy in each individual life, God. Because you have the power to do so. God, I pray that you allow us to continue to take steps forward, God. I pray that we see minds that are taken back. I, see, I pray that we see families that are taken back. I pray that we see marriages taken back. I pray that we see the low country, that darkness continues to be pushed back. Not only here, but all around the world, God. God, because we are walking by the Spirit. God, that you would give us strength and rest. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. If you would stand and worship, this song is one of my favorite. And this song declares about the greatness of God and how great He is. So I'd love for you to join me in worship. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.